Hello and welcome back to Around the Natty. Uh, again, we're back after a little hiatus. We're fresh and we're fueled on Wild Mike's wings and cheese fries. Darn right. Um, so we're going to hop right into it. We got a really good show. Um, we're going to talk a little Reds, um, a little UC basketball, and, and Logan's got a little special thing that we're going to jump into. Uh, so go ahead, Logan. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, so I think that it's only right to begin by honoring a legend here. Um, for those of you who know me personally, uh, you know, and, and I will I will preface by saying, you know, for this show, we really try to focus on Cincinnati sports. That's what the show is about. That's what it's going to be about. That's what we're centered around. You know, we don't talk about really a whole lot outside of the context of Cincinnati sports. We don't even talk about Norwood sports, um, being that, that <laughs> other school over there. So, but I do want to take a second. Uh, one of my personal heroes um, actually just retired. He played his last game a couple nights ago. And I just want to point out um, this person was a three time NBA champion, uh, won in 2006, 2012, and 2013, was the NBA Finals MVP in 2006, a 13 time NBA All Star, the NBA All Star Game MVP in 2010, a two time All NBA first team a three-time All-NBA second-teamer, a three-time All-NBA third-teamer, and a three-time NBA All-Defense second-team. He was an NBA scoring champion in 2009. He was the NBA All-Rookie first-team in 2004. He was a consensus first-team All-American in 2003, a third-team All-American in 2002, the Conference USA Player of the Year in 2003, and most recently, his number three jersey was retired by Marquette. And obviously, if you guys haven't picked it up yet, we're talking about Dwayne Wade. And... I just want to give a shout-out to one of the greats. Um, in my opinion, he'll go down as one of the five best shooting guards of all time. He's up there with Kobe, Jerry West, um, Michael Jordan, obviously. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that uh, without Dwayne Wade, I wouldn't have the love for the NBA that I have now. Um, he's my personal hero. Uh, from the moment I turned the TV on in that initial or in that 2006 season, which was his third year in the league, I knew from then on I'd this was this was my guy, and I've ridden I've ridden with him all the way through. Uh, we've seen some good times and some bad, and um, I'm be honest with you, um, him watching him play his last game was probably harder than ending my four year relationship that recently just ended. So, uh, yikes! Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, anyways, you know, it, it does. It feels like it's the end of an era. I grew up watching this guy. Uh, will always be my hero. I never got to watch him play live, and that will be one of the biggest regrets that I, I go down with in my life. But uh, I had to take a second to recognize him and all that he's done. And um, D Wade, we love you. Wade County's out here, baby. And um, you know, I'm always I'm five one three for life, but I'm right there with three oh five too. So. Oh my God. Okay. That was <laughs> that was beautiful and great. However, we are gonna shift. We are gonna shift. Back on topic, fellas. Back, back onto Lady the fellas. onto the five one three, um, and we're gonna we're gonna be pretty Reds heavy today. Um, obviously with it being baseball season, the Bengals are kind of in like a weird state right now with the, you know, being the off season. I think we talk a lot of Bengals on the show. So I think we, I think we deserve a break. I think you guys deserve a break too. So, yeah. So, you know, we'll just, we'll start off there. They had their first meetings, you know, last week or this week. Um, that's about as far as we're going to go with it. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and start off Reds. Um, so we're going to start off with impressions on first 12 games, uh, how we feel about how the season's gone so far, what, you know, what we think 
could be improved on? What do we think they've done well so far? So uh, I'm going to start off, and I'm going to start off with pitching. Uh, one concern that everybody had coming into the season was how is our pitching going to be? And myself, being the optimism that uh, being the optimistic person that I am, was 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 giving them the benefit of the doubt. However, I was not expecting them to come out this strong, and I've been pleasantly surprised with how well our pitching staff has pitched, minus like two or three games. Um, you know, and you can't get a can't get a perfect start every time you go out there. And I obviously don't expect that after watching Cincinnati Reds pitching the past two three years, uh, but I've been I've been extremely excited. You know, whenever Luis Castillo's on the mound, uh, Sonny Gray as of late, which we'll touch on. Um, one thing I want to I want to touch on is is Luis Castillo's you know his stats here. Um, he has a .92 ERA in two games. Um, he has allowed five hits in two starts, uh, two runs in, in two starts. He's pitched 19.2 innings, um, and he's struck out 25 people. And that's insane. And the leaps and bounds that he's made this season are something that I don't think anybody expected outside of the organization. I certainly didn't expect it. Um, but it really seems that he's he's reining it in and he, he can be an elite going to be elite prospect in this league or an elite player in this league yeah I, are you ready for captain Pe- pessimism yes are you ready Give okay so and i do want to add uh way too sharp and eight four clark um captain pessimism is back and Da-da-da. i'm here to stay that's right um so man so first of all it was really funny because i have to address the fact that after we won opening day I had a flood of people message me, see me either on campus at uh, the Mount St. Joseph University, or you know, text me, what have you, and just absolutely, absolutely rib me, just rib me to to no end. And uh, I said to each one of those people, I'm like, you know, in theory, they could still go one in 161, you know. So, um, that being said, I didn't want them to to lose, but they did go on an eight game skid where they. Couldn't find a way to win. Now, let me stop you really quick. Before the season started, your thing was the Reds had to score 12 runs to win the game. I said they correct. had to score a lot of runs. No, lot of runs no, no, not a lot of That's runs. Correct. You said they're only gonna, You said they have to score 12 runs to win a game. Is that correct? I forget what number I said, but okay. yes, it was, it was okay. an absurd amount of runs. Let me, let, me, let me ask you a question here. Let me ask you a question. Okay. How many runs did they give up in this past series? Uh, Three, right? One. One. Okay. Past series... Pitching was spot on except for uh, Discofani. Yeah, Disco had a rough outing. Um, yep. The Brewers, they won. They Tanner Rourke was pretty bad too. That was the that was he rained. Dude, he went. That first inning was rough. He brought it back in. Three runs is a winnable ball game, in my opinion. It's certainly not twelve runs. I mean, six and six and three or under is a quality start, but you know. Okay, now. Let me just specify, your problem was the pitching, and you thought the pitching wasn't going to do it. It was the exact opposite. We got little to no production out of all of our players. Right. Um, not yeah. our stars. Not not Vado, not Suarez, not Peraza, not Winker. None of them were hitting the ball. Our outfield was hitting terribly. Scott Shebler was leading off. And, my God... <laughs> 
He now, was, what was he, one for, one for 13 at it, one point? It was, or 0 for 13 at one It point? was rough. Yeah. Winker was hitting poorly. But, uh, you know, they've started bringing it back in. They started scoring some runs. And, and look, we got ourselves a, a series sweep here in the third the third series of the year. Yeah, so. prior to that first... Uh, Prior to that first game against the Marlins, man, it looked like the Reds of old died. The Reds I knew and loved, where you know Johnny Cueto would come out and give you eight innings of shutout ball, and then you still lose one nothing. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was it was. I mean, it was it was really frustrating. Yeah, to watch. and and I think frustrating is a perfect word for it because, especially being a person who coming into the season, I really didn't have much concern about uh, the lineup. Yeah. Now that was also with the understanding impression that Scooter Jeanette was me playing. Yeah, and starting. Um, and so having him out is obviously, I mean, that's yeah, that was your most productive bat last year in yeah. terms of power numbers in the National League. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he was a monster last year. So that's uh, that's obviously concerning. Um, I really wasn't, I wasn't surprised nor my two panics by like Yasiel Puig struggling early no. on. You know, he's always been a hit or miss guy. Right. He's kind of got like that Adam. He's kind of got like that Adam Dunn vibe where um, he either. Hits it into the river, or strikes out. You know that's right. kind of the vibe I get from him. But he's had some clutch hits. Yeah, well, and, and you know, and that, and again, that didn't really surprise me. Um, I don't know if I love uh, Jesse Winker or um, Scott Shebler in the leadoff spot, and I don't yeah. think it's. And really, I don't. I don't think that Jesse Winker can't be a, a fine leadoff guy. Yeah. Um, I think he can, but I think he's just so much better with runners and scoring position and runners on base and. I think that you waste. I, again, I don't think it's an indictment against Jesse Winker's ability to be a leadoff batter, but I think right. it's rather a, a, a you know, props to him being excellent with runners in scoring position. And uh, one thing that you know, if you listen to Jeff Brantley on any broadcast, he you know, always praises uh, Jesse Winker or Da Wink, as they say. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a Jim Day thing. Jim Day is not my favorite. But Jim Day, if you're listening to this, oh, I just, I just, come at me, bro. I just hate when I hear Tom Brenneman. So. Um, but uh, but you know you know. Jeff Brantley will will give you know Creed the cowboy more, the the cowboy will give credence to um, Winker's ability to you know be effective at the plate with runners scoring position and and he says you know most most rookies most young players that come up from the minor leagues usually you know when they're when there's no one on base that's when they perform their best they're usually comfortable and no problem at the plate um, but then struggle with runners in scoring position or on base yeah and he said Jesse Winker's the exact opposite it seems like when they're on when he has runners in, in scoring position or on base. He just turns it on, you know. Light switch goes off, and he's just there. He's seeing the ball so much better, and it was funny because I remember watching as the I was watching the, or listening to the broadcast as I watched the game, and literally he looked, he saw, he 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 took two balls that were right on the edge of the plate, right in a row. Right as Brantley saying that, he's like, "Yep, see, see, I told you," um, and then he ended up bri- driving in a run that same plate appearance. So, well, you know, with the lack of production this past series against the Marlins, they've turned it on. Obviously, the Marlins aren't the greatest. However, uh, they did have some good pitching. Uh, Trevor Richards for the Marlins is a is a is a great pitcher. Um, he's very similar to uh, Luis Castillo in the fact that he he uses the changeup so effectively. Um, but with that game, it 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 was a close one, you know. And and you know, we get to the eighth inning, and Suarez goes deep, and then Winker goes deep, and right. that's that's the second game in a row Winker's gone deep. That's like the second game in a row that. Suarez has gone deep, and mm. I'm just saying, don't let these red legs get hot. Don't give them momentum, and I and I, I think it was less of a slump and more of like they lost their momentum, you know. And I, and I don't want to, you know, I know the the captain pessimism thing is 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 real, and I and I'll buy into it and I'll own it because it's kind of fun. Um, 
and I don't mean to be pessimistic when I say this, but you know, good teams beat bad teams. Yeah. So if we want to be a good team, we have to beat teams like the Marlins. Yeah. We need, and we need we need to beat know, them bad. And too. and going into you know a one and eight start in such a long season is not going to kill you, but in a division that's going to be as close as the NL Central is this year. Yeah. Eight game skids can happen. You have to find a way to put series together in one series. You know, I'm not, I don't expect us to you know, rattle off twenty five game win streaks or anything like that. You know, but like you know we have to put the other you know three or four back to back series wins. And especially when we go and play a division rival, which we are um, in Mexico this weekend, and uh, and the Cardinals just got done beating up on the Dodgers out west. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so they're coming in hot. Um, you know, going back to the pitching, the pitching is what we kind of began the conversation with. The pitching has been really impressive. I've been I've been really impressed with the pitching. Um, and Tyler Malley coming in, who wasn't originally supposed to be slotted in the starting rotation, Alex, is filling Alex well. Wood is out, yeah. yeah, Alex Woods on the DL right now. Tyler Malley's pitched fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, his last start was a little rough, right? But I, you know, and I, and I, I had confidence in his ability to recapture some of the magic that he found early in the begin, early in the beginning of last season. Yeah. Uh, but here's what I'll say to that end too. You know, it takes about three to four weeks for these hitters to catch up with these pitchers. These pitchers have a severe advantage over these hitters, and so that's why one, I'm not panicking about our lack of production at the plate up to this point mm-hmm. because the middle of our lineup will heat up. Okay. Gino already has started to. Okay, there was there was two games where he was like one for six or one for one for four or something like that. Like Gino will Gino will be fine. Yasiel Puig will be fine. Joey Votto is gonna get on base all the time. He's he's pretty good at baseball guys. If um, you didn't know that, <laughs> he's he's pretty good at the sport. Right. And but what I what I am interested to see, and I'm not saying that I don't think they will continue being successful. I hope that they are. Um, Luis Castillo, I think, will be fine. I think he's a very yeah. appropriate modern day picture uh, pitcher. Rather, he's got good velocity. Um, his location is usually pretty good, and then and in today's pitchers, that's all you can ask for. It's when he gets that changeup working, man, it's gnarly. And his he's got really one really good off speed pitch, and his changeup is is nasty. Um, and you know, I think when his off speed's working for him, he's great. Uh, he's a strikeout pitcher. He's gonna strike you out a lot, uh, which, which works it, out in our favor, right? In especially right in our ballpark. Um, so, but again, I say you know, let's see at the end of April, um, let's see how we're looking, and even then, and, and that's another thing too. As as the weather gets warmer, these balls are gonna come off the bat a little bit further, and they're gonna they're gonna float a little bit more. Um, so for both you know our lack of production at the plate, and then also our perhaps. I, I would say that at this point that the rotation's overachieving, in my opinion. I think they've overachieved. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that we'll, we'll see if that overachievement is is uh, is real or not. And I think that uh, that's when we'll get a better idea of what that looks like. But you know, big series coming up this weekend. Hopefully, we can put some some runs together and yeah. uh, get things going. Yeah. Well, like I said, they are definitely overachieving. Um, you know, we saw Sonny Gray uh, his first start, little rough. You were eager to jump on that train. <laughs> You're eager to jump on that. And uh, I was kind of thinking, and I know this may be like a, an excuse or whatever. It was cold that day. I mean, it was freaking cold. It was in the th- 20s to 30s. It was cold, man. And that's a tough thing to pitch in. And like like you said, it's it's something you have to do if you're a major leaguer. Like you gotta you gotta be able to throw in cold, you know, especially if you want to go play October ball. Right. Um. But uh, maybe that's why it's so bad in New York. <laughs> for real. Maybe we couldn't handle the weather up there. Well, man. I think that's more fan based than anything. Um, but yeah, after that, his starts have been legit. His second start was so good. 
And his third start was going really well until he took a ball off the calf. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even after that... I think he could have pitched into the sixth, honestly. Well, the thing the was, he was... He was pl- he was playing through it, and what they had said had happened was uh, his leg stiffened up. Well, apparently it, it blew up on him. Apparently his uh, it, it's there was so much edema or swelling, in other words, that he could barely stand on it, and that's yeah. understandable. Yeah, and that and that's I feel like I feel like if he could have just stood up there and pitched the whole time, he would have been fine. If he just kept active on it. Yeah. But the thing is, when you go and sit and give it a chance to like relax, like. It's gonna right. swell up. Yeah, I was really sad for him though, because that was uh that was a game he he should have really ended up winning. But yeah, you know, uh, I think Amir Garrett getting the win for that game. Yeah, because he was down one run. Right. Yeah, so. that sucks. I mean, no decisions, no. So, I mean, it's not what you want, right, but it's right. also not a loss. So yeah, you just feel bad though when you come out and you pitch a good game like that. And yeah. Then you, you get pulled right before you, your routine goes up, and you don't get the credit for that. Yeah. Um, because we know at the end of the year, it, it comes down to one loss and ERA. You know, and, I agree. Uh, I agree. And perhaps ERA is held a little bit higher in, in today's today's game than it was before. Um, and they, people, I think, put it on a pedestal above um, win loss. Uh, I mean, we saw it last year at Syndergaard, where the kid was absolutely nasty, had one of the lowest ERAs ever, and only won you know a handful of games. And still. Well, I think when you're rating pitchers, that's like a true stat that you can put up there that shows what the pitcher's doing. I mean, wins and losses absolutely are important, mm-hmm. but that's more of a team stat rather than a pitcher stat. You know what yeah. I mean? Because, like, like we saw the past eight games, you could go out there and deal, and still lose the ball game. Right. I mean, a pitcher goes up there, um, Malley through through a scoreless game, right? Mm-hmm. Through six innings, loses the game because because the bullpen gives up run. Or well, I guess he didn't lose. I guess it's no decision, but still, you know what I mean? Like right. You know, even if you go out there, you give up a run or two. Like, I think a run or two is a winnable game, and it should be a winnable game with the kind of offense that we have. Right. And it, it like you said, it's unfortunate. And I think he, I think he wanted to stay out there. Uh, they interviewed him afterwards. He said he'll be fine by his next start. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that's true. He may just be saying screw you to the training <laughs> staff. You know how athletes like to do. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know right. what I mean? Uh, but you know, it, it seems like he's okay. Um, he was definitely dealing. Uh, in his second and third start, and I'm excited to see him. You know, as the season progresses, uh, one thing I was worried about after that first start was he was he going to have the same home and away splits he had in New York? And I'm like, there's no way. Right. That was so weird. You know, so last year I think the strength of the team was obviously in terms of pitching was the bullpen. I think yep. that was un, unquestionable. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy that no one's talking about right now is Robert Stevenson. Yeah. I mean that guy. I mean he has a WHIP of .632. Uh, which for me, I think in terms of telling how well a pitcher's doing, especially like as a, in terms of a reliever, mm-hmm. I think that's much more indicative than an ERA. Um, but even then, if you look at his ERA, uh, we're looking at uh, 1.42. I mean, uh, this is a guy that I mean, for me personally, I was ready to write off after two, Last two, year two years rough, ago. Yeah. I was I was ready to be done. Uh, he had no location, has all the velocity in the world, but no location. Um, I remember at one point, I mean, we we sat down and pulled up. We, we let Bronson come in and pitch at 78 miles per hour. You know, and uh, so I I think that um, I, I think that the coaching change was really good for Robert Stevenson. I think that David Bell has instilled a belief upon him, but also there is a sentiment of this is it, man. You, you got to yeah. buck up here, buddy. Well, he, and, he also I think those stats are a little skewed, but he's doing well. But like, what does he have? Like three innings pitched? 
Uh, innings pitched, six point one. Oh, okay. So, okay. I thought it was a little bit less than that, yeah. but that's that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so let me see. Of the relievers, he he has the most innings pitched of the relievers. Really? Yes. I find that incredibly hard to believe. Yep. He has six over point, Amir. He has over six, David. Amir has five point two. Uh, David Hernandez is 5.2. What is M- L- Michael Aaron's I have? 6.0. So he's close. Point, yeah. He's so. close. But, um, so again, I think that, I mean, like I said, I, that's really that's, that's one of the things that was really impressive to me. Something that I don't think anyone's talking about. Yeah. Um, Zach Duke is not, just is, is terrible. I would I would love to not see Zach Duke pitch the rest of the year. He's I can't handle it. some good innings. You, I can't handle again, it. Again, we're 12 games into the season. Give the man a chance. <laughs> good Lord. Dun, 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 dun. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get like a sound clip, and every time that happens, we're just gonna play. Dun, 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 dun. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's talk about some bright spots then, uh, Andrew. Let's talk about some guys that who other who, uh, some other guys who aren't getting some love, but uh, who are position players. And um, let's talk about what the implications are with how they're doing. Yeah. So uh, with Scooter Jeanette uh, being out on injury, um, our infield's been kind of fluid. And, you know, that kind of worried me when he went down, what they were going to do with that, how they're going to get, you know, guys rest. And we have two guys in particular who are stepping up to the plate and exceeding beyond expectations. Jose Iglesias um, and Derek Dietrich. Um, absolute monsters so far. Uh, I really am excited to see them in the lineup. I mean, Iglesias is making gems left and right. Uh, Dietrich slamming the ball all over the place. Um, it's been really fun to watch them and, you know, I, I think we need to get him in the lineup more. Um, even if that means, you know, shifting Peraza over and and letting him play second and then letting, uh, letting Iglesias play short. Um, I think that infield's been very, very productive. And I think one thing that's really nice about having bench players that can come in and produce at a high level is there's no drop. A lot of the times if you are having to make... A double switch. Yeah, if you have yeah. to make a double switch, you get you lose something. Right. So... It's, it's really nice to have a guy that can do it all. Um, you know, obviously their defense is is on par with what we have. Iglesias has been hitting the ball well as well. So I've been really pleasantly surprised with how these guys have played. Uh, Dietrich's a stud in my yeah. eyes. Um, that dude can hit the ball like nobody's business. Now, obviously, against the Marlins, he struggled a little bit against his former team. Um, but these guys are not... These guys are not young players. Right. Um, these guys have been around for a while. Um, they've been finding a spot, and I think they were late signings for us. Um, they, you know, they were late in the in the off season. So they're really good pickups. Um, I really like having them on the team, and I and I think they're producing at a high level right now. Right, and I, I think that the the interesting thing is for for my money for an everyday player, I'd rather have and for everyday lineup, I'd rather have Peraza two or at second. And um, Iglesias at short, yeah, and then keep Dietrich on the bench just because he's been so freaking clutch. Yeah, I mean the guy has eight ribbies. Uh, he's leading three the t- home runs. He's tied for the team league in- with three home runs with Gino. Uh, with Gino, um, his batting average is only one ninety two. Uh, and and I and again I don't know I don't know the stat on this, but from a, a viewers and like the eye test, it feels like when he's when he's starting and like and as a position player. Um, and he's in the in the starting lineup. He doesn't hit as well as when he comes in off the bench for whatever reason. It's for like, whatever reason, I don't I don't know what it is. Aside from the 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 game against Pittsburgh where he, which this is awesome by the way, when he stared down and launched 
two freaking home runs into the river. We'll talk like that about was, this in a minute. Yeah, that was awesome. But yeah. um, to my to that point, I, I I would really appreciate seeing Jose Iglesias and uh, Jose Peraza in the lineup daily, and uh, keep Dietrich in your back pocket for uh, when you get in trouble. Yeah, he's a he's got that Chris Heisey syndrome, <laughs> right? You remember Chris Heisey? Yeah. Anytime you'd put him out in the outfield for any extended period of time, he'd strike out three times. But right. then you'd you'd bring him in off the Home off run. the bench and he'd yeah. just smash a ball into the river. So. Um, these guys have been crucial to the success of the team. Obviously, um, Dietrich winning the you know winning the game for us on opening day. Um, Iglesias um, with Mally on the mound, he saved three or four runs. Yeah. I mean, they had runners in scoring position, and he made like three or four like really nice gems that saved runs. And you know, we won that game by a run. So that's huge. And they're making huge contributions. They're not names anybody thought of. You know, when you're bringing in uh, Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp and and Roark and Sonny Gray and all these names, you forget that these guys are contributing at a high level. And, right. you know, that's one thing I want to talk about is Puig and Kemp are the exact opposite. You see them coming in and you're, you're expecting them to come out hot. And Matt Kemp's coming off an all-star year. Puig is Puig. And... I mean, they didn't get uh, their first hit till the third game. Right. I mean, a Kemp till like his sixth game or seventh game. Obviously, he's put one over the fence, but... It's not like they've been lacking for at-bats, I mean... Exactly. Matt, Obviously, with Puig's suspension. Right. I mean, Matt Kemp has far more plate appearances than does Iglesias or right. Dietrich or... Um, you know, I mean, Matt Kemp has 35 plate appearances, which is more than even Tucker Barnhart, who yeah. is... I mean, other than like every fifth day, whenever you have uh, Sonny Gray pitching, like he's he's the starting catcher. So why why is that? He so so the Reds so the Reds have almost always had carried two catchers, and certain catchers catch certain pitchers. So uh, Sonny Gray and Kirk Casale actually played uh, college ball together, oh. and uh, have a long standing relationship. And apparently, that's probably the reason why he like wanted to come to Cincinnati, um, or was excited to come to Cincinnati. So, uh, Curtis Alley will always pitch Sonny Gray, barring injury. Let's talk about Curtis Alley, too, because yeah. he's been playing well. Yeah, now, yeah, he's been playing all right. Now, obviously, he's not the uh, defensive catcher that Tucker Barnhart is. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's slashing doubles left and right. You know, when we were playing the Brewers and they brought in Hader and everybody's swinging and missing, Curtis Alley comes in and rips a double. You know, he he's hitting well, and... Um, you know that's another that's another place. It's a plug and play thing, man. If you got guys can do it, you're gonna be a pretty good ball club. Um, but let's let's talk about the Reds and the Buckos here. Um, so you you mentioned it previously. Uh, Dietrich slams a ball into the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he sits there and he stares at it, yep. which as we all know, love it. And if you don't know, it's an unwritten rule of baseball. It's not something you do. Love it. Um, you know you can love it, it you, but it is still an unwritten rule. You don't do that. Um, he trots around the bases. Uh, Cervelli, their catcher, visibly didn't like it. Archer, their pitcher, visibly didn't like it. Personally, I don't care. You know, I if yeah, you would if you hit a ball that far, like stare at that thing. Right. You know, and and you then, know what? You don't like it. Strike him out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Get him out. But with that, um, his next at bat, Archer slings the ball at Dietrich. And my opinion on this, and, you know, I'm kind of old school as far as it goes, but, you know what, I don't have a problem with him throwing the ball at Dietrich, you know, you, but you got to keep it within how they used to do it back in the day, where you throw it, you hit him in the middle of the back, you plunk him, and you move on, 
And that's that's my take on it, and that's how I look at it. But the way he was doing it, he threw it at his hands and his hips, which I don't think is cool. Um, but I see you visibly have disdain for my opinion. Yeah, I, I so here the MLB is, is struggling for fandom, especially young fans. Okay, they do a really terrible job of marketing their stars. Not to say that Dietrich uh, is is a star, um, but Derek Dietrich is just in this particular one example that we can use as a platform here. The the confidence, the the you know if you want to call it swagger, I hate that word, but if you want to call it swagger, if you want to call it um, the charisma. The, yeah, the, whatever the et factor is that is lacking in baseball, we should encourage that. And I think it's I, we're we're not Neanderthals here, okay? We're not freaking savages, all right? Uh, let the let the players celebrate. Let the players like just like so. And I don't know if you saw the uh, the videos of Archer. Yeah. Whenever he would, he's, yeah. he's been notorious for when he strikes someone out or he makes a big play. He does like this dance. Yeah, to like the dugout. He, he literally, literally dances to the dugout. You know. It's like so. What are they gonna take their bat and smack upside the head with it every time you do that? No, that's ridiculous, right? That that's not good for the game. That's not good for the players. We want our best players to be healthy. We want our best players to play. You need to market to your best players and your and your stars as well, which the MLB hasn't done thus far. And so that being said, like I I think it's awesome. You know, smack the hell out Absolutely. of the ball, drop the bat, stare them down. You know, and guess what? If you don't like it, just like when in the NFL, like if someone scores a touchdown and someone celebrates touchdown, you don't see them fighting. No. You know what? Don't let him in the end zone. Don't let him hit a home run. Don't let him get on base. Don't let him steal on you. Whatever it might be. Don't let him strike you out. You know, you don't want the pitcher celebrating your fit. Don't let him strike you out. Hit the damn ball. Yeah. You know? And uh, you know, throw the damn pound. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> I mean my thing is is again, I I think it's stupid, um, to have that in the game still. I think to have these unwritten rules is stupid. Uh, he should have been ejected right away. The fact that they only got a warning was ridiculous. And then he only gets a five-game suspension, right? Which, which is means no, nothing, right? It he, means nothing. It means he misses one game. That's not, what it means. And not and not even they really just like it essentially gets like an extra rest. You know, I mean, it's not even like it because people get bumped in their 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 starts all the time like that. He, he he essentially was given no suspension. I think when that kind of stuff happens, pitchers should be given at least a minimum of, of fifteen-game suspension. You miss essentially two to three starts, um, two, three scheduled starts. And I, me and you talked about it off air. I thought that the the Yasiel Puig suspension was fine. He deserved a slap on the wrist. You know, I mean, he. No, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, and that was fine. Whatever. I have no problem with that. Um, I here's my big thing was, like David Bell was suspended. Like managers go out and argue all the time. What is what the heck is that about? Right. Well, and I, and I love the fact that he went out there, had the guys he was back. Hot. Yeah. He had you know he had he had the guys back. Um, I love that. Love that the manager. Yeah. I, I think that Cincinnati, the city of Cincinnati, appreciates that. I think that's how we are. Well, it's something um, we didn't get with Riggleman or Price. Yeah, Brian Price. I mean, Price Price was the guy who went and got ejected before the game even started. Right. For something, which was weird. Like. Yeah. I, I, and that's the thing. I, if you listen to... So, for those of you guys who don't know, David Bell was in our minor league system for a long time, coaching our, our minor league system. And one thing, like, Zach Kozart, when he was down there, always said is that one thing you know about David Bell is no matter what, he's got your back. Yeah. I think from a player standpoint, that's really helpful, especially for these guys who, you know, going back to, like, the Robert Stevensons of the world, you know, having not had the success that you may have wanted in the major league or at the major league level, yeah. and knowing that a guy that has your back like that, regardless of the situation, whether it's, you know, hey, you're, you're slumping, you're 1-13, and you're Scott Shebler, or, you know, hey, last the last three seasons as Robert Stevenson, I have, I've had ERA, or ERAs over eight, or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, you have that confidence going in. 
um, that you can play. And I think that David Bell has, has shown the um, that he doesn't care about making decisions that aren't popular. I mean, he played Jesse Winker in center field the other day. What, a couple years ago, we're talking about can Jesse Winker be an effective outfielder, you know? Yeah. And um, and so I think that, again, I, it's really impressive to me. I really appreciate the job he's done. The only criticism I really have is that I think he pulls his starters early, too early sometimes. I agree. I think sometimes you got to let him pitch. Um, but you know what, though? I mean, he... I, I, I'll say that he probably knows his guys a lot better than I do, so yeah. maybe he sees something that we don't or knows something that we don't. And, again, it's it's early in the season. Perhaps as we go further in the season, he'll let him pitch longer and further into the games. He's maybe just trying to get their conditioning up a little bit um, and not get their arms too tired because, um, obviously, um, we have a lot more games to play going forward. So Yeah, and my other kind of like thing that I'm confused about is a lot of the Pirates players weren't suspended either. So it was just, what, Archer and... That was it. That right? was it. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Did you see? I mean, did you see that one uh, bullpen pitcher who was ejected? <laughs> I don't know his name, but uh, it, he wasn't even dressed. Right. He was in like a sweatshirt. Yeah. And he's going hard, and all these Reds key players get ejected and suspended, and it's like, it's like, what the heck? What the heck? Were we fighting ourselves or like, right. like, Amir Garrett? Whatever. I'm kind of laying on that. He obviously didn't get suspended. Mm-hmm. He got ejected though. Right, which is big. He's a big, big name in yeah. our bullpen. I mean, he's he has one of the most innings pitched for of any of our bullpen relievers. So yeah, yeah, and and Yasiel Puig has to be taken out. You know, that's kind of whatever. But David Bell's gone, and I, you know, I don't know how good of a manager Benavides is, but well, I mean, hey, the, not that this means anything, but they did score fourteen runs with him at the helm. I, so. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I could manage a fourteen. A fourteen-run lead yeah. to a win. Yeah, that's fair. That's you know what fair. I mean? It's, yeah, no. but like when he took over, it was like game over. It was like bang, bang, no, no, bang. No, I'm bang. talking about the next game though. When no, was, with the Marlins. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. talking about with the Pirates. Yeah, I was talking about with the Marlins. That game went negative very soon. Yeah. Um, Dietrich hit another home run that day too. Yeah. He hit two that day. Yeah. And he sat there and watched the next one too, which was <laughs> awesome. I love it. Um, but yeah, you know. Uh, after that, though, Chris Welsh pointed something out, and I want to kind of get your your vibe on that. Did you happen to see the pine tar on Archer's jersey? Yeah, I've seen. Here's my. Everyone does it. They put it. Well, everyone puts it somewhere different. Um, so Some I, the brim of their I, I don't want to call this person out, but I have I have friends that work very closely in Major League Baseball. Um, a lot of them do like you know brim of the hat or. Like Bronson Arroyo used to put it in his crotch, like, and that's why he would always grab his, yeah. because that's where his his was. Um, everyone does it, you know. I, I think that sure is it cheating by the book? Yeah, it, it is. And I, to me, I mean, you're allowed to have it on your, for your batting gloves. Like, yeah. what's the difference if you put it on your hands? You know, I mean, I think it's I think it's something that's like you know the major league baseball needs to just come out and be like, let them use the pine tar, whatever. How much of a benefit does it actually provide? It's, I think it's very marginal. I think it's a little bit more than you might think. But, I mean, maybe. I mean, it's enough to where they all do it, and they get they take the risk of getting fined or suspended I'm just saying, for using it. So. Either, either make it, I mean, like, but, like, I understand everybody does it, but if you're going to be that blatant about it, like, especially after you just tried to be one of our players, like. Oh, believe me, I hate Pittsburgh, and I would love to see Chris, Ar- Chris Archer suspended for multiple games, and I I can't stand Pittsburgh. I hate the city. I, I was hate... just I was just thinking the other day, though, like, in our division, I hate them the least. Nah, I mean, I hate I hate cards Pitts. can go to hell. Yeah, I hate St. Louis. Cubs now are so arrogant. 
I, I prefer, I honestly would take the city. I just have such a hatred of Pittsburgh across the board. I know, but I like, I don't let it. Because it, it goes back to like, it goes back to Big East football with UC and, and Pitt University and, Come on. and, what? and the Steelers and I, God, I hate Pittsburgh. I, mean, I, mean, I hate the city and I hate the football team. It's gross. The people there, the people <laughs> who support them are trash. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, however, though, is it's the team I hate the least in the division. I hate Ryan Braun. Oh, oh man, me too. I can't stand me Ryan Braun. Too. I hate Anthony Rizzo. Oh my gosh. I hate Javi Baez for the Cubs. I hate Yachty. I wish Yachty would go away. I hate uh, Carpenter. I'm biased. I have family plays for the Cubs. That's why I feel like I'm, I can't. <laughs> You know, I can't. I, Swarber. I the Cubs are bad for so long, man. I don't. I don't care, I, dude. I, Javi Baez is is the worst. Talking about showing people up, Baez gets so butthurt. <laughs> Do you remember when Amir Garrett struck him out last year? Yeah. And he got all butthurt, but every time he hits like a double or something, he's like <laughs> doing some dance. So, so let me ask you this: If if let's see, since I Reds could not, you know, like they absolutely could not win the division. Who would you want to win the division? Really? Really? Uh, well, I I didn't mind Milwaukee winning it, even though I hate Ryan Braun. Oh, I hate Ryan Braun. I can't stand it. I'm telling you, I guess I guess Pittsburgh, man. I don't want the Cubs to win it anymore. I'm sick of. I I think they're arrogant now. I think they're arrogant. I think they're just slinging money around for no reason. I feel like we need to feature Mr. Poli on the show, and you guys can talk about the Cubs a little bit. I don't want to talk to Poli. (laughs) I've already talked to Poli. All he's gonna do is who won a World Series more recently? Okay. When was the last time you won one after that? Right. 400 years ago? That's Thanks. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like, you know, that's that's kind of how I look that's at it. That's funny though, Is because it? that's the same argument I use when I get into arguments with UC, or UC, UC versus XU. I'm like, national championship ring count, baby. You know, like, <laughs> and when 1964, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, like, but you don't have one. Well, you know, <laughs> you know there's, it's nice to have teams that actually have championships. Yeah. You know, because like, I, every time I get in a Bengals argument, it's like, it always ends up with, no Super Bowl, and you're like, you're fine. <laughs> like, end of this. You can't, you can't take the discussion further after right. that. No like, Super Bowls. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. It's like, it's like if, unless I'm arguing with a Panthers fan, a... Uh, Lions fan, yeah. uh, Houston fan, like I have nothing. Right. Like I have nothing. Right. Like, Super Bowl. It's like okay. <laughs> all right. Done. Cool, done. See ya. Cool. All right. Yeah. But uh, let's move on. Um, you know that's uh, so far the Reds. Our first impression is you know obviously a rough start. I think they're going to get it back on track. They're definitely in the process of doing that right now with a series sweep. Sweep it. Oh man, he just swept everything off our desk. Yeah. That was weird. Sweep it off. <laughs> um, move on. We we go to Me- Mexico um, to play the Cardinals, the hated Cardinals. I hate them so much. Um, so we'll uh, we'll check back in on that. You know, so far so good. Uh, obviously, the eight game losing streak sucks, but uh, like I said, they're moving on. You have anything else you want to put on that? Um, I'll leave it at that. I'm really excited going forward. Um, hopefully. Please come out and go to some Reds games, guys. My God, I, please! It is embarrassing to and for me in my pocketbook. I I make money off of people going to the Reds games. <laughs> please come and make me money. And it is embarrassing seeing six thousand people there. And hopefully, as the weather gets nicer and things like that, people will be yeah. coming. And hopefully, as we continue to play better and the team kind of you know, I understand that they haven't given me much reason to come and watch in the last couple of years. But good God, eight thousand people! Come on, man. Did you see Matt Latos? No, I did not see Matt. Matt Latos. Latos. 
who, if you aren't aware, is a former Reds pitcher, um, posted on Facebook. I've never known like a famous person to have a Facebook. Oh, I have, but go ahead. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, his wife is not pleasant. Sorry, Matt, if you're listening to this. I know you're not, let's, but... Let's... <laughs> um, but he said, like, he made a really good point. Like, my God, like, guys, we can do better than 11,000 people there. Right. Um, obviously, they're on a losing streak, but you're 12 games into the season. In three games, the Reds had less people that attended three games than FC had to attend one. Okay, my point on that is FC is new and fresh. Let's give it a let's give it 150 years. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Let's Not keep, saying, just saying. Let's, yeah. let's 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 give. I watched that game on Sunday. Yeah. And it in the tie. Which That's, uniform are you most excited to see them wear? The Reds. Yeah. The one um, the 70s uniform. Really. I love. the I mean, 70s. I, I enjoy it. I love it. My favorite though is like the the late nineties, early two thousands with the vest, the vest, the with pinstripes. The pinstripes? Yeah, that is pretty clean too. And like, I prefer that's... the black one actually. I just think Sean Casey when I see that uniform. Uh, Sean Casey, I think of like you know, you know, just at the end of his prime, Griffey. You know, like, yeah, that's I, pretty. Dope. I'm a re- oh with the yeah the black one's definitely yeah, sicker than were, the, the pinstripe. Yeah, one. those were well the the black they have black pinstripe ones too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's pretty sick. No, I, I'm a real big fan of the 70s uniform. Just really? the all-white with the... I like it, yeah. With the red, the red yep. accents. Yep, I've got the Johnny Bench. That's slick. The Johnny Bench jersey. It's That's pretty slick. slick. And, yeah. it, and it's all obviously nostalgic. When you look at that jersey, you think of winning baseball, and you think right. of the big red machine. Right. And I just love it. I love yeah. it. It's so simple. It, it makes me wish the Bengals would go back to their simpler days, too. Um, no stripes on the helmet. Nah, I, I like the stripes on the helmet. That's that's like the only thing I don't I, I like. But like I just wish they'd mix it up, um, and I wish the Reds would mix it up too. And I'm excited. I'm excited for these uniforms. Yeah, I'm, I am hyped. And I saw some of the hats they're doing too. Yeah, for all these like special events like Father's Day and Mother's Day. Yeah, and pretty much all of them except for the Father's Day hat. I was really excited. Yeah, for. I really thought about quitting my job so I can start going to these games. <laughs> It's dude. They're. I want some of these giveaways, man. They these are, are sick. They are slick. Yeah. These hats are slick. Like yeah. they have a camo hat for Armed Forces Day. Right. It's camo with gold accent. It's oh, it's clean. Right. Oh, I'm excited. Um, but let's move on. Uh, UC basketball. Ugh. Okay. They have lost our longtime coach Mick Cronin. So I'm gonna let you take head on this one, Logan. Go ahead. So first of all. Um, for all the McCronin haters out there, uh, you got what you wanted. You got what you wanted. He's gone. He's making a lot more money somewhere else. Um, as a person who's not a McCronin hater, as a person who really respects and appreciates what he did. This is um, coming from Captain Pessimism, guys. <laughs> I wish him the best of luck going forward. Um, I certainly think he deserves to pursue. I think he's, I think he's done everything that a, a UC fan can expect a coach to do here um i think that he deserves an opportunity to go and prove himself elsewhere too and uh you know best of luck to make going forward um that being said you know to those people who you know called for his head careful what you ask for and i guess we're gonna see how it works out uh andrew and i were talking off air and i think that this will kind of mark the end of an era you know we've essentially we had i know we had you know a guy but we've essentially had two coaches over the last couple of decades. And I've only, you know, when you talk about, when you ask about a UC coach, like, if you ask a common person, they, they know Bobby Huggins and they know McCronin. That's who they know. And I think there's something to be said about that. And I think that there is something to be said about 
taking a, a non-power conference school and uh, going to the tournament, um, you know, nine years in a row plus. And I think there's something to be said about uh, just the model of consistency. And when Mick Cronin was given the reins, the program was in shambles. We had academic issues with, with student-athletes, uh, character issues with student-athletes. Yeah. And um, it was really hard to watch UC basketball. It was hard to get behind the guys who were putting on UC basketball uniforms. And Mick Cronin changed all of that. I mean, you, when we talk about the UC basketball guys, they all seem like stand-up guys. You don't hear them about them getting in trouble um, beyond the you know the Yancey Gates year, uh, which that was awesome. I was completely for that. You know, yeah, zip talk em, about bras. Yeah, zip them up, right, boys? Um, jerks. I. We're a bunch of thugs in our locker room. Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't handle it. But anyways, um, so outside of that, I mean, just outstanding individuals. You see, in the last, you know, uh, 30 years, I mean, if you think about the NBA players who have had success in in, uh, in the NBA, uh, it's it's been Mick Cronin guys, you know? And just, you know, we had one, we had one class uh, send out two NBA guys. One was a first-round pick. Again, he's done a great job of, of maximizing talent. Uh, he's done a great job of getting um, key transfers, whether it was um, Octavius Ellis or it was, um, you know, Kane Broom or uh, Kyle Washington. Uh, Mick Cronin did an excellent job here in Cincinnati. He will be well missed. And uh, a little bit later, when we go to Love It and sho- Love It or Shove It, we'll uh, I'll ask you some questions about the future coaching situation. Oh God, yeah. And uh, we were kind of talking about how different the culture is going to be at UC. And I was saying maybe they go towards an offensive mind minded kind of thing. And you had a, you know, you shook your head at me and, and I, you, you made a good point. You, you kind of laid it out is, you know, to be able to go get those guys, a lot of those guys who are these prolific scores aren't the best at going and playing defense. And the guys that are aren't interested in going to UC. They're going to Duke. They're going to North Carolina. They're right. going to Kentucky. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And and I think that's a good way of looking at it. Is the way that UC's played basketball the past how long has he been there? Thirteen years. Yeah. The past thirteen years has been defense first, and you know it kind of has to be that way for us. If you can go get a guy who can lock down on defense. And then you get one or two guys who can shoot real well. It works out for us. Because like you said, the guys that are going to go be really good scorers, aren't, the ones we're going to get aren't going to be the ones that are going to be good enough to take over a ball game. Right. You know, and you watch you watch a, a game, a Duke game or a UNC game or something like that, and, you know, they're, they're shooting the ball all over the place. And the guys that can carry the team aren't, aren't going to end up in Cincinnati. It's right. just not going to happen. And I I think that's such a valid point. I think the way that Mick handled that and how he kind of ran his program was perfect for what kind of talent we could get in Cincinnati. Right. And I, you know, I think, like you said, he maximized his talent. Um, I think he unlocked a lot of potential out of a lot of players who otherwise wouldn't have, you know, been the way that they are. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm grateful to have had him here in Cincinnati. Uh, I'm not a huge basketball guy, but you know it's always fun to it was always fun to click on a UC basketball game, and I I hope that continues. I mean it's yeah. it's not it's not the end of the world, guys. It's you know we we still don't know who the coach is going to be. We st- we've heard some names, 
Um, it's still a long process. Obviously, UCLA, we just went through this whole thing where they were like freaking out and they offered Cal some some cash and then Kentucky signed him up for life and then they they reached Mick and they're like, you know, he is a solid coach. And personally, I don't think Mick matches that lifestyle. I don't, what do you think? I don't think, I don't think Mick is, you know, Coaching or is gonna work out in UCLA like I, not in the basketball program but in like LA, or in Cal in, in itself he's a West Side guy. It'll be interesting to see how the players who are there currently yeah um, respond to McCronin because I think that McCronin is a very hard person to play for. Um, I think that in terms of attitude and persona, he's kind of similar to a Tom Izzo but without the Tom Izzo. Um, profile so you know he's not a national champion he hasn't had that same level of of success in the tournament itself but he's going to demand and talk to you like he is a champion and he's going to want and talk to you like you need to work to be a champion and I think that it'll be interesting Um, I told you off air I think that he's got three years to go past the Sweet 16 Yeah. and after that I think he's going to be on a short leash there which I think is interesting because in my opinion, I think he's earned more than that, but um, heck, I wouldn't turn four million a year down. No way. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, and a chance to be in a big conference. You know. I mean, it's the Pac-12, but I mean, still, I mean, it is, it is a power conference. conference yeah. yeah, and uh, and it's one of the power six, one of the basketball power six, and yeah. um, so I again, we'll see. I hope, him, I wish him the best of luck. Um, I, I I think the thing that'll be most interesting is see what he does with the access to a higher level of, t- of talent um, that he didn't have access to at UC. Yeah. So that'll be really interesting. Um, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I think we move on there. Um, yeah. All right, so we're going to do a little segment here called Love It or Shove It. That's where Logan provides a question. Um, we say if we love it, if you love it, you think it's going to happen, you think it's a possibility, you think it's going to work out that way, um, or shove it. I don't buy it. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't like it. Get it out of my face. So go ahead, Logan. All right, so... Uh, given the the topics of conversation today, they're going to be mostly uh, Cincinnati Reds and UC basketball questions. Love it. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Love it or shove it. The Reds will have more than one all-star this year. I love it. And Ooh. I'll tell you why. Okay, go ahead. Joey Bobby's going to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. And I think... He should be every year. He should be every year. Because he, one, is the best pitcher in baseball. Not pitcher. Or, pff, not pitcher, hitter. Hitter in baseball. I don't know why I said pitcher. I got pitchers on the ring. Um, he's the best hitter in baseball. Mm-hmm. Best overall hitter. I mean, obviously, he's not hitting for power or anything like that. But right. as far as control and on-base percentage and all that, Joey Vaz is the man. Mm-hmm. And I think I think his offense is on par with an all-star and everything like that. I think he'll be an all-star. Um, that means one person has to step up. And I and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Do you think if, there, if there's one other person, who do you think it'll be? Um, I think it'll be another infielder. Um, and I think it's a toss-up between Gino and Peraza. Okay. Um, I think I'm leaning toward Gino just because Gino's got the power. But Peraza has been playing extremely well this season. Right. Um, he ended the season last year on a hot note. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going into the halfway mark and Peraza's... I think what will hurt Jose Peraza is the fact that... I, I think if you played second base the rest of the year... I think that he could definitely have a really good shot. Uh, him splitting positions, but, but I think him splitting time two positions are going to hurt him. Uh, Gino, on the other hand, I think I think Ihuania Suarez is going to should be an all star. 
I think he's one of the top three third basemen in the league. I would agree. Behind um, Arenado. I, I mean, yeah, and I and honestly, I I put him right up there. You know, I think I think he's he's outstanding. I think that in terms of glove work and and footwork, he's and definitely on the field, improved on that. Yeah, um, I think he's great. I, I mean, and the guy was a natural shortstop, and he moved over to third, um, which isn't a too terrible transition. But I mean, he's got he's got he's got glove talent. Um, so yeah, I definitely I'll say I I'll say love it as well. Yeah. I, I'll say we get two. I don't I actually I don't know if it'll be Gino. It might be uh, it might be a Yasiel Puig if he turns it on and gets hot late. You think? Uh, maybe so. And I think that uh, part of that will be like you think one it's the Joey though, right? You think it's gonna be Joey, Joey Votto has to be there. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Right, like, has except, to be there. Except you got people like Goldschmidt. Yeah, I mean, and Rizzo, and they're gonna have better power numbers than Joey. That's just the reality. But in terms of on, he's one of the best. He has the most impressive approach at the plate of any player it's I've seen so in my life. It's so methodical. Yeah, it's I just mean, so methodical. He did. That's why nobody puts the shifts on this man. Like right. you see, well, all he these, did, and then he broke it. Did you see he, it the other night? Yeah. yeah. And then you're like this. Okay, I'm just. He's like. He's like. You're gonna leave. Uh, you're gonna leave the left side of the field open. Bink. Let me just shoot it into left field, real right. easy, down the line. Right. Or do you remember last year? Uh, I think the Cubs did this. They had like. They had like this weird shift where they had like four outfielders and yeah. they're all shipped over and he still hit it. Right. He still hit it. He hit. He pulled the ball to the shift, but right. still like squirted down the line. He's right. just so good, and I I just find it hard to believe he won't be an all star by the middle of the season. So going off that, love it or shove it, Joey Votto will uh, surpass his home run total last year of twelve home runs. I think so. I think so. I think you he's. Love it. Uh, yeah, I love it. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. I forgot the premise of the game. Uh, no, I think so. And uh, the reason I think so, he started off a little slow. Um, he's getting he's getting kind of old. Obviously, mm. he's not smacking the ball all over the place. Um, do we know what he, how many home runs he had at this time last year? I don't. Unfortunately, I don't. I don't know that stat, and I don't have access to that right now since we're kind of getting the last few minutes right. of the show here. But right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think he doesn't, and that's just pure optimism and no statistical analysis there. Right. It's just a hope and a belief. Um, I I think I love that one. What do you think? I'm gonna shove it, man. I'm gonna shove. It. I really? Think, I think I think going to the two slot. I don't think he's thinking power anymore. That's true, um, and it's more of a flip switch than yeah, it is him wanting to. I I think that, and I think that age does play a factor. I think that he has lost some of his power ability, mm-hmm. and again, I don't I don't think I think with the lineup that we have, barring injury, he doesn't have to. Right. And and so I don't think I don't I think I think he'll be maybe twelve to fifteen, um, but yes. I say I'll say shove it I'll okay. say shove it. All right, you ready for the next question? Give it to me, Daddy O. All right, love it or shove it. Sorry, love it or shove it. Scooter Jeanette will lose his starting position. Shove it. Shove it. I don't think so. Um, Do you think he'll actually be back to play again this year? I think so. Um, they said he's up and walking around doing all this stuff. It's just a, what is it? A strain. He tore his. Oh, he, he tore yeah, something. He tore, he tore a groin muscle. I believe it to be his adductor longus. Really, I didn't know this. Yeah. I didn't know he tore it. I just thought he strained it. Um, no, yeah, I don't think he loses his starting spot. I think it wasn't a complete tear, but it wasn't. I tear. mean, after the two seasons he gave us, I mean, it's his position to lose. I don't think he's gonna lose it. I mean, yeah. if he comes back and even plays, I, on average, I I just. I just don't. See I don't think he loses it, but I don't think he makes it back and plays. Hell. I don't think. I think he comes back. He plays a couple games, re-aggravates it. Because I mean, I, I think people are downplay. So do you love, love it or shove it? I shove it. Okay, you forgot the game too, sir. Yeah, I did. 
I, I, I do shove it. Um, I don't think he loses a starting position, but I don't know that he actually comes back and, and plays meaningful amount of games either. That's so, not the question. Right. So I shoved it. I shoved it. You shoved that. I, I think I think the, the upside of him is just so big. I don't think you can take him out of the lineup. Right. All right. So going back to a uh, position uh, slash lineup question. Love it or shove it. The Reds should make Iglesias an everyday player at shortstop. Now, before I answer this question, is that with Scooter in the lineup or just right now? Love it or shove it. Should the Reds make Jose Iglesias an everyday player at shortstop? You didn't specify my question. <laughs> with, okay, I love it. If I, okay, basically, I, so I will, I'll say at the. At as the roster currently constructed with people on DL as is. Okay. Then I love it. I love it. He's been so clutch this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, his defense has been insane. Um, I think he brings more upside as far as glove-wise for um, for our ball club. And, and like and like we said, I don't know if we said this on air or off air, but uh, Dietrich has been so clutch off the bench. Yeah. And it, it feels like when he's got a regular spot, it's not as beneficial to the team. Right. And uh, I don't know what it is. It's Like I said, it's that Chris Heisey effect. Um, you come off and you you hit off the bench well, and then you struggle a little bit when you're in a, a regular lineup. And I think Iglesias could be a starting starting shortstop somewhere. Right. I love it. Um, and I love it with or without Scooter in the lineup. Um, I think that you find a way to – get Peraza maybe in the outfield or something like that if if Iglesias is still playing as well as he is now. So I love it. What do you do with Scooter? You leave him at second. You keep you, Iglesias is short. You move Peraza where? Out in the outfield. Oh, he's yeah. fast enough. Yeah, I think and I think that you maybe you bump him to center, pull Shebler, keep him on the bench. I don't hate that. Yeah. And, and my thing was... And he played center his, his first year up. He played center field a lot. Yeah, my on, thing was I just don't, I don't want to kick Scooter out because his bat's so good. Right. I think, well, that's the thing. I think if we have a healthy Scooter Jeanette that plays like Scooter Jeanette of last year, you keep him in. But I'm saying maybe move Peraza somewhere in the outfield. And yeah. um, It depends on, obviously, how well we're hitting otherwise. And Iglesias has, has shown struggles yeah. in the last couple of years. So yeah. who knows if we'll be able to maintain that any kind of level of consistency yeah. there. But I do like that. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Love it or shove it. The Reds should move Jesse Winker, the wink, out of the leadoff spot. Shove it. And my reason is, who are you going to put in there? I mean, you know, he... I, it, And that's pure reason. I think I think Winker does a good job with hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, however, I just... I don't I don't know of anybody who would take that spot. I think, I think Shebler's been subpar in the leadoff spot. I think... You know, I think I think that's a big thing that the Reds have been lacking in, you know, for a long time mm-hmm. is a solid leadoff hitter. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the last good leadoff hitter we had. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't. I don't. Like Billy Hamilton's been le- left something to be to, desired. Yeah, he got hurt. Desire. He just got hurt. They had to cart him off the field in the injury. Dang, that sucks. Yeah, so prayers up for Billy. Yeah. Um, to answer the question, I'm going to say I love it. I think Jesse Winker is a much better asset somewhere where he can drive and runs more consistently. 
Um, I do like the fact that he's able in the number one slot to get a lot more ABs. Yeah. Um, and in many cases, he's been able to drive in runs uh, later in the games. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that you can still. I think you can slide a Peraza or an Iglesias in there. Peraza and, would probably be good, but Peraza's hitting well. Yeah. Again, I don't. It's not. Again, it's not an indictment against uh, Jesse Winker or lack of belief in his ability to hit in the leadoff. I just think that. He's just a monster with people in scoring position, so yeah. that's something to look into, maybe. Okay, we got two more, ladies and gentlemen. We're almost done. Love it or shove it, the Reds will make the playoffs this year. I already booked this one. This, this I love this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay engaged into this until the season's over mm-hmm. after October, yeah. or, or until you know whenever that. I'm I'm loving it, and yeah. and. I've told you that from day one, and and that was even before seeing how the pitching was doing. So right. so I'm really loving it. And right. if they can continue even a, a you know resemblance resemblance of this this pitching staff, and they continue to perform at this you know even a little bit close to this level, not even at this high of a level. They're I mean they're the seventh ranked pitching. They got the seventh ranked pitcher. They I mean you know Sonny Gray doesn't have to be the ace if Luis Castillo steps up and becomes the right. ace. You know what I mean? Right. So so I love this. And uh, I'm going to take that to my grave. Despite being really impressed with the performance Dun-da-da-da. of our starting pitching, I shove it. I shove it extremely diff- I, sh- I, sh- I struggle with it, but I shove it. And I still think that we're just a 78, maybe 81 win team. All right, okay. so. I, like I said, mark it. All right. You guys heard it. Last one here before we close out. Love it or shove it. The Bearcats should hire Nick Van Exel as their next head coach. Um, he's a former Bearcat, right? Mm-hmm. Is he an NBA coach right now? He's coaching the NBA. He's he's a G League coach right now. You know what? I love it. You know, I I'm always a fan of bringing former UC guys or former Cincinnati guys back. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't always work out. I personally am not sure of other coaching candidates that are interested in UC. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, I mean, we got a good ball team, but right. it's like, it's also not the most attractive job ever. Right. You know what I mean? I, so with what, with, with the field that's out there, I love it, but I love it with this caveat. We have to hire a good supporting staff for him, uh, as a first time collegiate coach, I think you need some good mentors around you. Uh, for whatever reason, the trend has been higher former players that have gone to university. Sometimes work out. I think Penny Hardaway is doing a pretty decent job in Memphis, yeah. at least with recruiting. Mm-hmm. The difference is that Penny Hardaway had three or four years of a pipeline of recruiting. He was in AAU camps all the time. He's putting on those. He was around those kids, had access to them, developed relationships with them in a way that uh, Van Axel just hasn't had the opportunity to. Yeah. So I guess my question would be his ability to recruit and recruit effectively. It's something that he hasn't had to do yet. Yeah. And um, But I say I love it um, because he knows the Bearcats way. Um, he does have a love for the school yeah. um, and a connection to the, to the city that um, most other candidates wouldn't have. And as a UC fan and as a West Sider and you know, diehard Cincinnatian, I appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. All right, is that the last one? That is the last one, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so that's been uh, episode six of Around the Natty podcast. Uh, we really enjoyed having you around here. Please, again, hit us up on Twitter at Around the Natty underscore each word. 
um, hit up, hit us up, check us out on YouTube and uh, Spotify. Um, and uh, please subscribe, guys. Yeah, subscribe, um, like, interact. Message us if you hate something we say. Call them out, Captain Pessimism. You know what I mean. <laughs> I want to. I just if you want to call them out, I I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. If you, you want to find him and hit him with your car, I don't blame you. Um, we gotta get this guy fixed. Made a big dent. <laughs> you got good insurance. You right. can make it happen. But again, please subscribe. Please check out this video. Please tell your friends about this video. Um, that's all I have, Logan. I'll let you take it. Yep. And uh, this has been Logan. And I've been Andrew. And we'll catch you around the natty.